Revolution starts slow and often quietly. Eli Whitney, Nikolai Tesla, Eddie Van Halen. These once obscure geniuses slash futurists had humble beginnings, but their endings are still nowhere in sight. Revolutions begin in opposition to ideas and circumstances that the majority know are wrong. Nowadays, we find ourselves at a crossroads. Continue down the path of collapse or choose a new way, an uncertain way, but a way that elicits hope and positivity. Save the world economy and save the planet? Who is against that? If loving that idea is wrong, then we don't want to be right. So sit down and introduce yourself to some revolutionary ideas that may just steer you towards the path of prosperity on this episode of $5 Buzz. inside lock the door behind you please ensure that the towel is properly positioned you're stepping in on another five dollar buzz my name is george kursar i'm here in fairfield connecticut and i would like to welcome back to the program mr pete liska uh we missed you last night um this is a playoff week for us we've got four recordings and uh wasn't the same without you for game one how are you i'm great man thanks uh glad to be back uh, you know, six uh, six week old in my uh, arms about ten minutes ago has got me a little busy, but very happy to uh, get these in when we can. Absolutely, man. So it's great to have you back. And Roger, um, how are things uh, with you tonight? Yeah, it's good. You know, it was a busy day for me working on this damn Mercedes Benz commercial, but we get it rocking and rolling. Excellent. And we would like to uh, welcome our guest to. Um, is the first Canadian guest that we've ever had and only our second international guest. So his name is Colin Sullivan and he is the CEO of Mint Green. Uh, we really appreciate, appreciate your time, Colin. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's been, uh, it's been crazy for us the last few weeks, but uh, no, I can't complain. That's for sure. Excellent. And you are in Vancouver. Can you give us... Uh, I like Vancouver. Vancouver is a great town. I was only there one time with Pete, actually, and oh, nice. uh, it was advertised to us as uh, the Amsterdam of the West. So uh, <laughs> back in that 19, was, that was ninety nine, right? <laughs> yeah, that was nineteen ninety nine. And um, but Pete, you've actually been back there. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Vancouver is amazing. Uh, Whistler, I mean, uh, there's nothing better than that. The drive from vancouver to whistler i think is an otherworldly experience it's so beautiful i mean i'm sure you're quite familiar with that oh yeah it's a great drive yeah i mean just that just that train on the side of the mountain that looks like it's just hanging off the side of a mountain as you see in the water on your left it's unbelievable there's there's some things you take for granted living here but that that ride is is really gorgeous i mean oh. no matter what the season is yeah yeah it was it was absolutely spectacular rivals anything you'd ever see and Colin, before we get into talking about your um, clean, uh, clean tech startup, which we'll get into and you'll educate us in the audience about it. It's a really intriguing story. Can you just give us Americans a little bit um, what contemporary life is like in Canada right now? I know like the borders have been sealed off pretty tightly for the last, I think, year and a half. You know, the U.S. and Canada have always had a really tight relationship. And unfortunately, it seems like the rest of the world since the pandemic has kind of gone a little bit isolationist and protectionist and uh, is um, have things loosened up with the business relationship between the two nations. Uh, what are you seeing and what, what is life like, you know, after the pandemic in Canada, because obviously everything we're, we get is all focused on the United States. You got You got to understand though, that um, like in, in my business, it's somewhat insular, right? Like, we have two clients that would be like a, a heat off taker locally. And then the Bitcoin protocol will be the other one and, and the latter never complains. So uh, it's tough for me to say exactly how trans border trade and stuff is going. Uh, I do, I would say that uh, there's still a fair bit of hysteria in Vancouver and in, in the country of Canada in general. Um, so it's, uh, I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to turn it into like a a COVID podcast, but sure. 
at the same time, I think, uh, I think, I think the situation and the timing of everything is somewhat similar. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of time for, for Canada to move on. Um, but yeah, it, there's still a, a fair bit of restrictions going on. Right. Yeah. It seems like things are getting better, but uh, we're not quite out of the woods yet. So, but I agree. I, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of talking about it and I think everyone needs to move on. But anyway, um, before we really get into um, your day job and your uh, focus of your career right now, um, can you tell, I think I, I was looking at your LinkedIn and I noticed that you were a game developer. Is that right? Were, um, were you involved in the software side of yeah. gaming? Yeah. Um, in, I don't know, maybe it was like 2008, 2007, something like that. I started an app-based company, um, produced a couple games on iOS. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I mean, I'd love to make one in the future again. Um, it, there's, I mean, the gaming industry is a bit different. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, you can have a high quality product, but marketing is so, so powerful. And I didn't really understand that at the time. So it's one of these things where every dollar you spend, as long as you're getting a dollar and a cent back, you should just keep spending more marketing, spending more marketing. But I do really like that. I still sometimes write games, uh, when like sort of an idea comes to me. Um, so, uh, definitely a passion of mine for sure. Excellent. Now, um, I heard some of the podcast interviews that you did with uh, Whit Gibbs on mm -hmm. Compass, and uh, I was really intrigued. It's a really engaging conversation. If uh, any of our listeners out there want to learn about crypto currency or just uh, alternative uh, asset class, it's really interesting. Uh, I don't really know that much about it, and I was able to follow along, but um, Colin, before we kind of get into Mint Green and the work that you're doing, uh, based on the conversations that you were having with Wit, uh, I liked um, what I heard when you were trying to define what cryptocurrency was for people that have no background in it. And it's a decentralized currency, but I liked what you and Wit were discussing about how it um gives freedom away from a government issued currency. And you guys were talking about how there was a cost associated with, for example, the United States dollar. It's not simply just printing money. There's a government apparatus around it. There's banking around it. There are the military lobbyists. There are um, individuals and um structures that want to maintain the power of the United States dollar. Obviously an example would be um, Gaddafi um, no longer being with us on the planet because he wanted to trade in Africa on the gold dinar. Uh, I know I'm talking a lot, but can you just give us the listeners, uh, if you could just reiterate what you yeah, and no, what we're talking first about. First of all, it's really cool that you saw the Compass podcast with uh, Wit, heard the Compass podcast with Wit and I. Um, that was a lot of fun doing that one. I mean, it's being at, there's a single metric for um, the consumption of energy for Bitcoin. Uh, it becomes a very easy target, very low hanging fruit. When you're discussing what makes up the value of a fiat currency? The answer is, is everything the country does everywhere. And that's largely back, it's, it's essentially a petrodollar. So like to put a price tag on political, military, uh, the you know, sort of industrial output of a country and say, well, okay, well, what, what is the consumption of that? I mean, that's, that's literally, literally everything. I can't, you couldn't start printing US dollars in your basement because you don't have the credibility to do that. How is that built, right? And so that takes a massive beast to do that. Um, when they talk about actually, it's so funny, they like to compare like, oh, well, Bitcoin's consuming the same amount of energy as, say, and like, it's funny, like our company kind of solves this problem, but I do have to go and explain this as well. Um, you, they'll be like, say, consume as much energy as some sort of, you know, smaller country in the world. But what they never sort of underscore is the value of Bitcoin is greater than most currencies, but like maybe seven in the entire world. So the energy is getting definitely more value than a lot of these countries are. So when you're talking to sort of like a borderless peer-to-peer -peer network, never sort of been seen before, it has no army, it has electrons, right? So it's sort of a, it's, it's a, it's a peaceful divergence um, 
from a system that is that is in some ways, if and some would argue most ways, uh, held together by a lot of violence. Um, Bitcoin right. is just electrons. Right, and I, I, I like that is kind of appealing because you know when money like the U.S. dollar, when fiat currency is printed. Um, there's certain individuals who make the decision for the large majority of the world. And, it, and it feels like who's going to benefit from this next trillion dollars being printed. It's going to be Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, Exxon, Rio Tinto. Um, and the list goes on and on. And the money seems to funnel back to the same people. The problems exist. And it seems like um, cryptocurrency can kind of maybe spread the wealth out to um but don't you need dollars to buy them i don't that's what that's where i'm a little bit confused about cryptocurrency don't you need money to get cryptocurrency not if you already had cryptocurrency not if you already had it right it's like it's like how do you get dollars you work well, mm-hmm. you, know, you work for Bitcoin in the future. That's this is how it is, right? You, so that so you'd be you could you maybe in the future you can see where people are getting paid in Bitcoin instead of dollars. I'm getting paid in Bitcoin. At least you're getting paid in. Yeah, I mean, oh. my whole team here, like we we have uh, options in our employment agreement to take as as much Bitcoin as the company agrees to at any given time, um, and people love it. I mean, it's, if it, it, it leaves you in a situation where you just take the money that you need to sort of get by, and then you end up with like a, an asset that's doing excellent. Um, yeah. And your savings are going up rather than down it precisely what George said here, you know, when you trust a, a central authority to issue currency, that's not in the least bit fair. Um, mm-hmm. The rules of Bitcoin are fixed. Everyone knows how much there's going to be. Everyone is participating and the inflation rate is known and decreasing over time. If you don't have enough money, that is your problem. You don't just get to create out of thin air. Um, I think the moral hazard that, that creates not only for countries, but companies, large companies that are sort of um, intertwined with these, with these states suddenly have no risk. It's just everyone gets a bailout. It's like the Oprah meme. Every, you get a bailout, you get a bailout, and you get a bailout. It's like they're in, they're they're creating what's called malinvestment, which is essentially uh, money is going to not very strong companies that don't make a lot of business sense because of their systemic risk to the system. That's not what that's not how capitalism is supposed to work. That's yeah. not what a central bank is supposed to function as. Um, the wheels all sort of started falling off around, I'd say, like the 2008 housing crisis, but accelerated so, so rapidly during the pandemic. Um, you know, like there's no stopping Bitcoin, but sound monetary policy would slow it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they this is this has been handled in such a way that's put Bitcoin ahead probably 20 years. I thought 10, but I think 20 now. That's incredible. I mean, you know, you think about the you know, the, a big conversation going on amongst folk is the rate of inflation is uh, is is looming or on its way. The dollar is essentially, you know, the value of the dollar is going is going down. That's the future. That's what people are saying. Mm-hmm. Is is Bitcoin impermeable to that because it's not attached to the government? Mm-hmm. Essentially. Um, so uh, with the dollar going down, you know, you're saying like inflation, etc. Like yeah. what you'll find is there is they call it Cantillian effects. So the, uh, the new money is directly injected into the uh, stock market, essentially right out the gate. And so you see real inflation in the stock market immediately. I mean, like the economy is not great. The stock market is through the roof. How do you explain that? Well, there's mm-hmm. there's like there's money being put right into it, but that starts moving down the the entire economy to, to houses particularly i would say in british columbia i don't know what it's like where you are i'm paying twice the amount for gas i was a year ago um meats uh on and on it goes throughout it percolates for the economy until it's fully felt uh, and if that doesn't stop what you start to have sort of a crisis of faith in the dollar and that sort of manifests itself in hyperinflation is Bitcoin immune to that? Uh, yes, Bitcoin is immune to that. You can't, there's no way to issue more Bitcoin. There just is no way. Um, every 10 minutes, six and a quarter 
I believe six and a quarter Bitcoin are created in each block that incentivizes uh, miners who protect the network. So there is an algorithmic guessing game. It's extremely complicated to guess. And they basically, Satoshi created a system where if all these computers guess at the same time, at about 10 minutes, give or take, uh, one will get the right answer and all the coins will be distributed from there, including uh, what's called a block reward, which is how the currency grows, but also how miners are compensated. So miners are compensated for their effort in securing the network. And the miners, now you, you, you had mentioned there, there's kind of um, this low hanging fruit argument of it being bad for the environment. Mm -hmm. What is mining Bitcoin for? Because I really don't know anything about it. I would, yeah, there's so many levels of what is mining. Um, I would say for your guys, it is it's like brute force security to the protocol. Um, so there's no tricky way to, to get a Bitcoin. There's no way to hack it. You have to overpower the network. And that's just literally impossible at this stage. Um, so essentially, again, the protocol, I mean, if you want to get into should I get into the detail of it? Do you, do you guys care? Yeah, um, I guess more generally speaking, I mean, yeah. you know, um, you know, I, I understand it's, it's complicated. <laughs> Was that good enough? I can go. I can that, that's on. good enough. That's good enough. Colin, I know it's uh, you. I remember you said on one of the uh, discussions with Wit that uh, it took you about, I think you said about four years to kind of get a yes. understanding. And, you know, you're someone with a master's degree in, obviously undergrad degree and uh you know someone who actually spends a lot of time thinking about this so for us to kind of um get to you know bottom of this in a few minutes is probably not um possible but yeah. what i would like is for you to just give us um i read an article about what uh your company mint green is doing can you tell us about how you uh i believe that you were involved in some type of VC um, competition. Is that the right way to say it? And you, your company was able to secure some funding and that took you to the next level. Could you take it, shade the background on that? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just so everyone knows, Mint Green is a clean tech cryptocurrency mining company. We have a focus on immersion mining where we submerge the boards in a fluid. Uh, this basically allows them us to capture the heat in this fluid. We pump the fluid to an heat exchanger use it for industrial commercial purposes. I mean, most recently we announced a partnership with uh, North Vancouver, uh, which is ongoing. We've had a lot of amazing inbounds since then. Um, so to your question, one more, can you just rephrase that for me one more time? Yeah. Can you just talk about the, you know, you decided, I think you had a background where you were working in some type of uh, heat engineering. And then at some point you pivoted and said, um, yeah. I'm going to, I have a vision and you were able to secure some funding. Can you take us through from? Yeah. So, so the story of McRain starts uh, in mostly 2016, 2017. We had, we were taking GPU rigs, which is just a, basically a, a super gaming computer with a bunch of graphics processors um, and putting them in this place called Hemlock Mountain outside of Vancouver. It's a remote ski hill. They have no natural gas. So everyone's heating with electricity, it's super expensive. So we started putting these into these buildings uh, and agreeing, hey, can we split the power cost with you guys? And they were open to it. So essentially we had sort of found a way to in a decentralized way, uh, lower our power costs without protracted negotiations. Uh, fast forward, I mean, basically we were working with uh, Lonsdale Energy for about two and a half years. They had some certain heat thresholds we had to make, and we really built a business case to work with them. Um, but we entered a contest called NextStream, uh, which was an open startup competition. Uh, and this open startup competition had about 60 or 70 startups, uh, nothing to do with Bitcoin or crypto. We were one, the only, if, if or one of the very few entries that were, and we actually won in the category of sustainability, which was massively validating for us. Um, and, you know, you got to understand, these are these are people who would say, well, how is this solution? Why don't you just, why, don't, why doesn't Bitcoin just stop? And then we don't need to produce this energy at all or use this energy at all, which is, you know, to me, an unfathomable statement. 
um, but probably more common than, uh, than I would like to admit. I mean, it's the, there's been no technology, I think, in the history of time. I could be wrong, but that's been more sensationalized than, than what's going on with, with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So, you know, you know, having that argument and that discussion about how, you know, basically in, in El Salvador, it's now a, a parallel legal tender to the U.S. dollar, Bitcoin, and now suddenly 4 million uh, El Salvadorians uh, who never had a bank account at all now have, are able to transfer money anywhere. Um, the remittances, apparently there was this like report written that like Wells Fargo is going to lose like $100 million in remittances. I mean, that means the El Salvadorians gain $100 million. Yeah. And why should we give a fuck what happens to Wells Fargo? Honestly, exactly. I mean, like they're, it's a dinosaur. I mean, and if Wells Fargo disappears in the next 10 minutes, will we even feel it? Maybe there'll be some ripples in the stock market or here and there. If Wells Fargo is worried, they should buy Bitcoin. Right. Yeah. A friend of mine owned a uh, Brazilian store. He was from Brazil down on I used to live in San Francisco and the store sold knickknacks and stuff, but it was really, wouldn't call it a front. I mean, it was a legitimate business. His business was making sure people got money from America to Brazil, because if you mailed it or sent it through a bank or any of these other ways, that money was going to get stolen. Yeah. This would be another way to circumvent something along those lines as well as being able to transfer money, money or bitcoins that you have or cryptocurrency that you've generated here and be able to give to your family some part of the world that, you may not be able to get it to them otherwise. I mean, that's essentially what you were saying. Uh, completely. And I mean, like, these are not, these are not wealthy people. These are people so you're generally spending, you know, they send a hundred dollars. They want the other end to get a hundred dollars. They don't want them to get $60 or, or 80 or whatever it is, but it's, it's inordinately high given what, uh, you know, the fact is 2021 now. And I think it's quite predatory the way they have it set up. So I think it's great that the guys from uh, Strike went down there. Um, Jack Maller was a, was a huge uh, proponent of this. He's actually the CEO of the company. Uh, it was incredible when he announced it in uh, Miami uh, last year. Uh, or, or was it? No, it was this year, actually. Wow, time flies. Time doesn't fly. Uh, but it was, it was amazing to hear that we finally had the first country in the world that saw this as legal tender. So, I mean, when people are talking about you know, if we get into a price discussion later, it's not the same as it used to be. It's not like, you know, well, whales may dump at cyclical points, like a bank may buy, a country may buy. It's, it's so different now. Now, it, so essentially you are running a company that is doing two very distinct things. You're mining for uh, cryptocurrency, and I'm, I apologize if I'm not being specific because I don't know, you know, you're mining, but also you're repurposing the byproduct of that. And that's pretty incredible, man. That's pretty visionary. And um, can you tell us a little bit about um, what you're doing with uh, the whiskey company? And also, that'd be a fun thing to talk about. How did those conversations start up? And I can't wait to try some of that whiskey. It's on my radar now. <laughs> Firstly, uh, thank you. No, it's, uh, I mean, the, in, in our space, most mining companies just want scale, scale, scale. You know, it, it's not as simple for us to do 100 megawatts with full offtake, right? Even the city of, of North Van, you know, it's maybe going to start out at a megawatt and a half to do the baseload for the entire city. Now, this is going to decarbonize their entire network by 40%. But I mean, we have to do numerous cities if we want to get to that scale, numerous applications. So when you're talking about uh, the whiskey stuff, that was cool. Um, there's a neighboring a company on their property called uh, Vancouver Island Salt Company, uh, which we ultimately, I don't think, uh, we'll be able to do business with. But the fact is they, they do evaporative process um, to make salt flakes. They're actually quite good. And I was just eating some on a chicken and I literally called them and said, hey, what's your process like? Are you adding heat to it? And then would you like to chat? Well, he takes me there and then he takes me on to his neighbor who's Vancouver out uh, with Shelter Point Distillery. So it's like a scotch style whiskey place. They need heat for their mash process. 
Uh, they were saying that if we do barrel, if they add heat to the barrel aging process, they can age them quicker and then get a higher value for them. So uh, the commercial side of it is, is ongoing. We're building this thing. I think we can get a deal going, but because uh, we have a mutual investor between the two companies, it's probably going to make it work. But um, I've been running around like, I don't even know what my hair is on fire trying to get this round done and this other deal done. So I think I, I'm highly optimistic that Bitcoin whiskey is going to happen. Uh, we're planning it for the next halving, uh, which is 2024. Um, so I think that could be a lot of fun. And uh, I can say from experience, it's, it's very nice whiskey. Wow. That's very interesting stuff, man. And you're talking about um, dealing with the municipality. Can you, if you can, can you talk about, did they approach you? Is this a kind of an inflection point where the powers that be, meaning like uh, the municipal government kind of said, hey, there's got to be a better way of doing things. And if you can, uh, if you're able to, what, what was that like was that that I mean, must have been validating, I, I, right? I think I think once this is running, you'll start to see that type of thing happen. It's it's a delicate dance that allowed this project to exist because it's not directly the city. It's a wholly owned subsidiary of the city that's technically a private company, and so they're able to they have a PNL and and a whole bit, and so essentially they are they're held to profitability margins, et cetera. And we were the answer to a massive problem that they had. Now, the huge press that came out uh, kind of made some of the city councilors nervous as I heard, um, but I, I just, I don't think there is a, there's a credible argument against what's happening here. I mean, bottom line is they can't afford to be using electrical power for this without subsidy. We are the subsidy to that electric for the green electric power. I should also mention in BC, it's 97.5% hydroelectric. So, you know, our energy, it, it's green energy coming in. We get to use it to mine Bitcoin. We recover upwards of 96%. We're hoping to even get higher than that uh, in practice uh, and send it to basically heat homes, dishwashers, you know, the whole bit. Uh, for about a hundred buildings. This is not like a hundred houses. This is like high rises. These are low rises, commercial buildings, that kind of thing. It's about 7,000 apartment suites. Um, it's, it's significant. In the hottest days of the year, all the heat will be coming from mint green. And wow. Pete, I know you had some thoughts about um, how this practice could be used in maybe well, somewhere I like mean, El Salvador, right? Yeah, absolutely. You, the possibilities seem to be endless. You, you can heat, you know, any, any area. Um, that, that, that's, pro that's one of the most amazing things, especially in Canada where it can obviously get so cold. Yeah. Being able well, to provide heat like that is an incredible thing, especially in places that need it. You know, I, I, I appreciate that, Pete. I mean, we say we're hacking the economics of clean heating and, and that's it. really what it amounts to. Um, my sort of like, like this is, this can decarbonize a lot of, a lot of heating systems, uh, for the baseload portion, which is the largest portion typically, but I mean, what else, like what's the next application? Maybe, maybe you're looking at wastewater treatment. Uh, I really think, uh, there is an application for desalinization. I think the world doesn't have a water shortage. 70% of the planet's covered in water. I think we have an energy issue and we unlock thermal energy with what we're doing. You could be irrigating, you know, deserts, you could be making crops out of this. So um, there's, there's a massive amount of applications when suddenly heat is, is not by some sort of government subsidy, but by like commercial innovation is now suddenly more readily available to an end user, a country, a city, uh, how that sort of just shifts everything. Have it's you guys? Best, yeah, go ahead, George. Go. I was going to say, have you guys met any sort of resistance from like uh, the old world type thinking? I know a big story that you probably heard about was, uh, I think it was last winter, the city of Houston's power grid, I believe, went down. And, you know, that's not a state that's accustomed to cold weather and they kind of got overwhelmed. Would that be an opportunity 
for Mint Green? And if so, are there is there money and institutions out there that really don't want to see you guys succeed, or are you kind of getting uh, a welcome mat? The only sort of feeling I get about maybe people or entities that don't want us to, to succeed is more like it's more just like a lack of understanding or rather probably a miseducation. I mean, you can't, you can't learn anything from mainstream media about Bitcoin or blockchain. You just can't. Uh, when I did do my MBA from, from, uh, from UBC, uh, you know, they were laughing about Bitcoin. They're laughing about all this stuff. And then it was like, and, and a year goes by, oh, well, it's blockchain, not Bitcoin, et cetera. They just, they just do not get it. Um, so I feel like over time, uh, the facts will, will sort of take care of, of these types of concerns. There's no, there's no sort of discussion I'm, I'm afraid to have. There's no topic on this I can't speak to and articulate in a way uh, that would make them understand exactly what's going on. Um, that being said, uh, you had one more, one more point you were making. I just want to make sure I answer this question. I think I was kind of uh, getting to the kind of crisis they had in the city of Houston, Texas, yes, where yes. the grid went down. Would that be an opportunity for uh, your process to kind of step in and alleviate some of the burden? That's, that's fairly astute. It's not really an opportunity for Mint Green, but it is an opportunity for Bitcoin mining. So I heard, and, and you know, I don't want to get again too political, but like sure. I heard, I heard Ted Cruz uh, do a talk, and my jaw was dropping. I mean, the guy basically said he understood that you're getting energy infrastructure that can be used for everyone from companies. So basically, there's a lot of flare gas in Permian, West Texas, etc. There's companies like uh, Crusoe who capture. You know, another green mining company, they're basically capturing what would otherwise be just burnt into the atmosphere. They take a generator, uh, they burn the flare gas to uh, create electricity to mine. And he was essentially like, if this happened again, we would have hundreds of these miners uh, throughout our grid. Suddenly, if, if, they, if the grid goes down in terms of like getting energy to people, they can stop mining and start selling their power to the grid and start supplying it to people who need it, hospitals, etc. And it just adds that kind of energy robustness. Uh, I recently tweeted, and I believe this, that, that Bitcoin mining will do to the electrical grid utilities what like streaming services uh, have done to the internet. Wow, that's pretty significant. And um, I know you are in Canada, but you know the U.S. Uh, monetary policy really... Uh, affects the whole world is there any um i know that they're injecting i think another trillion dollars into the economy is any of it do you know of being used to maybe problem solve what was happening in houston or is it just going to be more of the same type of uh you know allocations that have been going I'm not, on i'm not an expert in the uh, bill that's probably you know no one is right <laughs> Sixty thousand pages i'm probably understating how many there are it's probably right. um it's but uh, yeah it, yeah it's definitely thick um i would say that uh probably not it's going to be up to individual entrepreneurs and companies to provide that kind of stuff uh and i think it's already happening uh texas has been amazingly welcoming to bitcoin and bitcoin miners and I think that's extremely progressive thinking and, and very, very shrewd of them. Um, I mean, if you're open to business for, for Bitcoin, I mean, there's nothing that can be better for your economy. I mean, you're instantly welcoming, I mean, a, a, lot, of, a lot of capital, first of all, but like the most lively industry in the world right now. Yeah. Right. Quick question, because uh, I've I've been hearing about um, you know people get, they get paid highly like actors and such getting paid in Bitcoin now. I mean, is that that's not, like didn't Floyd May, uh, Mayweather get a huge portion of one of his payouts in Bitcoin? Did anyone or am I? And Tom Brady gave that guy who gave him back the football of Bitcoin. 
they gave him a, a full we paid him paid him off you know for the uh what 600 touchdown of his career or whatever mm-hmm. gave the guy bitcoin i know that um i know that there are some performers out there who are now accepting half of their payment in bitcoin and you know here in los angeles i was just on a set not, not too long ago on a uh, commercial set and the producers and uh one of the other or the like somebody else on the crew they were all telling me you know rod you gotta buy into this stuff you gotta buy into this stuff. you gotta get something so every and and my, even my own roommates within during the pandemic you know everybody's got you know jumped on one of the um apps and everybody at one point or another including myself had held on and bought some and i think you did too pete have a, a little crypto currency in our back <laughs> pocket so it's it's not you know it's something that everybody if they don't know what it is completely at least everybody's thinking they could make some money off it but colin i got <laughs> but i got to say colin like what i don't know if it's for the altruistic reasons that colin's uh, supplying us with yeah, i think some of these people are just looking at you know to make a quick buck as well as uh, some are actually doing it for the right but thing. it does sound like there's a little a bit of a level of the playing field have or the potential for that to happen cuz yeah. the system as it is is fucked so you know that what you it seems to me what you guys are doing up in canada couldn't even happen it couldn't even happen in america at this point but hopefully maybe it does you know um so like i mean bitcoin is not even i mean certain people got in extremely early etc but it's fair i mean the rules have been fixed they haven't been changed um and there's no bank right you're not dealing with a bank there's, there is no bank. You are quite literally a bank. With that comes responsibility um, that is not sort of native anymore to people. Um, but it doesn't take too much to get there. I mean, you have to make sure you have sort of good custodial hygiene of your coins, which includes like your private keys. You'll probably want to air gap cold storage device. Uh, just sort of scale your security according to how much you own, just like a bank would. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like the the lack of friction, I mean, it basically just completes the promise of the internet, right? Like we had information going everywhere all of a sudden. Now we have, now the same can be done with money. There's no reason for money not to function that way. Now, the only reason why it wouldn't is because rent seekers don't like that. But the fact is, I mean, it, they're, they're just bottlenecking uh, what is otherwise far, far more efficient. But how are people going to do cocaine, Colin? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe you need to start another business you know <laughs> hey guys i think that might be a good opportunities abound <laughs> i think it might be a good spot for us to just take a two minute break and uh we'll bring it back and maybe do like another 20 minutes or so colin if you sure. got the time yeah yeah okay. hey we have a quick favor to ask we want to get the word out and the way to help is for you to subscribe to us on either Apple or Spotify. And it would be really huge if you give us a rating and a review. Much love. Well, welcome back there, ladies and gentlemen, to this latest edition of $5 Buzz. We're happy to have Colin Sullivan here with us from Mint Green. And we're talking all things cryptocurrency, Bitcoin in particular. Uh, So, Colin, I've got a question for you. How does... If the world actually transforms entirely to Bitcoin. You mean when? Or when, excuse me, when the world actually transforms itself into the, you, utilizing that as a form of currency. How do we deal with, I mean, I, I've joked about cocaine. How does black market trading end up becoming, you know, how, how does that, what are the implications for the black market? You know, um, is that the end well, of it? <laughs> well, I think I think presently, so so Bitcoin has a fully transparent uh, ledger that anyone can look at. I was talking to my accountant recently, like, how can we prove these transactions happen? I'm like, they're they're in memoriam in the blockchain, so right. we, can, we can take a look at any time. So probably the best way is still cash, uh, I would say, for those types of transactions. So are you saying you're concerned there won't be enough black market transactions or? Well, you know, for instance, I guess, I mean, I'm answering my own question, but, you know, I, I, you know, if I pay the person that comes over to clean the house, 
All right. Usually that's a cash transaction, but that would be a Bitcoin transaction. Obviously, we just transfer Bitcoin to that person. Um, I guess thievery would go down in a grand scale, particularly it, what, what and what there was just recently something I read. It was very, very on the surface. It was superficial, just a headline about somebody in some cryptocurrency that had uh, screwed over a good deal amount of people. Um, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Something recently that just happened? Uh, if you be more specific, that might yeah. It was just, it was something I just saw. But to that end, hmm. Bitcoin in specific, I guess, explain to me the safety net. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I also want to know, beyond the safety net, the tax implications. Um, well, uh, those are extremely broad and deep questions. Uh, the safety net is really not the same. I mean, it, like you have to be responsible for what you have. That's, that is what's, uh, what people aren't usually used to. As you were um, saying, there's, there's plenty of also custodial, uh, you know, third parties you could use. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't recommend that for anyone, but like sort of a a very large whale or, you know, uh, an institution. Um, As far as um, you were kind of asking about. Taxes. Tax. I mean, it's, it's, it's. You just pay your taxes through Bitcoin. it, It kind of. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, so for, for my company, you know, there's a certain amount I'm supposed to get paid in salary and there's a certain amount the government takes uh, of the amount I get, that's where I decide how much Bitcoin I want, and we remit uh, the rest in cash to them because they won't accept Bitcoin. But you know, if they did accept Bitcoin, it would be the same thing. But they tax Bitcoin. Bitcoin is taxed, uh, but it, I mean, it's, it's essentially like uh, there, there's capital gains on trades, etc. I mean, if it's in a business, it's a bit different. Owning it is and, and not doing anything with it is totally tax free for now until Janet Yellen gets her like unrealized gains tax in there, um, which is uh, diabolical as it is brilliant. But if I paid you in Bitcoin yeah. and I had to, you know, give you a W9 or W4, you know, W9 and <clears throat> goes to the government, that would be considered you would have to put a cash value on, to- on that Bitcoin I paid you and you'd have yeah. to pay the taxes on that. Um, I think essentially, yeah, because that would be my income, right? Right. So at, at the time of payment, that would be my income. Whatever my income is, I would pay a, a dollar value of tax on that. I would not pay anything else until I decide if I decided to sell it. And if there was a gain, I'll be able to, I'd have to also pay a capital gain on that. And is it the, the um, present? But, do, but like your question, if the whole world is on Bitcoin, I don't, I got a little secret for you guys. The state in its present form cannot exist without without, uh, its control of currency, without its ability to issue currency. So your taxes, although, I mean, you'll still need some, they're not going to be as high, that's for sure. So we're going to look a lot different. And if I paid you in the Bitcoin, how do you value that in the taxes that you would owe? The percentage say say it was say it was a flat tax just 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 say it was ten percent. Yeah, well, so, I mean, like we would we would capture the tax. Like to say, if we're in a market, you know, Bitcoin has reached market equilibrium, it's basically cash. So, like in El Salvador, it is cash. So there's no worry about capital gains. There's no worry about when you sell it or use it because it's just money. Do you pay capital gains if U.S. dollar goes up two cents against the Canadian dollar? No. So that makes a lot more sense when using it as a currency. And that's the direction it's ultimately going to happen. Um, but it, it can be very easily just tracked as it is a store of value. It'll be, you know, it's denominated in Bitcoin now, but it, I mean, sorry, in dollars now, it'll be known as just like, you know, X Satoshis. And, you know, maybe, you know, there'll be, there'll be taxes associated with the amount of value given on certain transactions. Um, but there is, there's an interesting layer there, you know, this is all this is all your own password protected stuff your own right i mean you can't nobody no but no outside entity could actually access your bitcoin information right Correct. the irs has no way has no way right. to do so, that or so, infrastructure to do that yeah. and how could i don't even know they'd be able to get their get it's, it together to get that done 
it's described as sort of pseudo-anonymous and that's pretty accurate. So like the hexadecimal associated with your wallet address, if you put it in a computer and looked it up, you could find out what's in there, but how do you know to look that up, right? So there would have to be some way of knowing that that's in existence to begin with. So, um, you know, if you go on exchange and purchase Bitcoin KYC, and then it goes like from the exchange to your wallet, they'd know it's there. Um, I mean, there, if, if you mine it, it's a lot more discreet, I would say. Um, and if you bought it from someone like sort of over the counter OTC, right? Hey, I can give you a hundred bucks. Give me a slice of Bitcoin. I'll throw it on my, you know, Tracer or Ledger or what have you. Those are, those are cold storage wallets I'm naming, by the way. But I mean, it's just fascinating. I mean, it's going to eliminate in theory, it would eliminate the whole need to go to the Cayman Islands, for example, or tax shelter places when thinking the same thing. They should, you, like, what are they going to do? Get a judge to order to you to log into your account? I mean, it's, I mean, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, you know, people should, you know, engage in illegal tax evasion, but it gives you certain rights over your funds you wouldn't normally have, right? So, you know, your, your account, maybe you should have. Your account cannot be frozen, right? Like they can't just fuck with you because they want to, right? Uh, it, like the, you know, so um, I was just talking about this guy. Oh my God. Uh, he's the guy from Silk Road. Yep. I know who you're talking about. This is a, I think it's like, it's, it's like, it's later for you guys, but Silk Road, yeah. Uh, I just want to get his name right here because it's it's Ross Albrecht. So he was basically running a Craigslist that you could sell anything in Bitcoin. Um, and eventually became like he was he and some other people and became sort of the fall guy for it. They threw the book at him. But they see something like 23,000 Bitcoin from the exchange or from sort of, you know, his computer. But apparently he has 600,000 more that they want and they they just can't get it there's just no way um and but he can he if can. he's ever free but he, free, he, he can. can yeah that's absolutely and that's also that answers the black market question because as i understood silk road was just a black market marketplace essentially there, right it, it, there's a little before my time in this space but yeah anything goes kind of marketplace yeah colin uh can it's interesting when you talk about el salvador in the uh, grand scheme of the world economy, a very minor player. What happens to, or, or what is the central bankers in Brussels or the United States start thinking when someone like, hey, Norway or Sweden, who, you know, transact in their own currency that's pretty much independent? What if Norway says, you know what, guys, we're going to move to the El Salvador model? Now, Norway, who is a significant player in the world economy with oil and shipping and what have you fishing and other type of exports <laughs> you know if that you know for lack of a better term contagion starts taking hold mm -hmm. what you know what does that mean for the usd right the world's um uh default trade economy that we, is that where you get to the hyperinflation uh mm -hmm. uh situation that, and are we, are there other, I know there's other countries that are considering this, but, you know, when a significant player like a Norway, for example, uh, decides to go the El Salvador route. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I do very much think this is very much a bottom-up revolution. Mm -hmm. Countries with reasonably stable, reasonably good currencies have the least use for a better currency, Right because theirs is doing the job. If you're in a situation where you're in a hyperinflated environment, where you're losing 30% a month on your dollar, uh, you know, say Syria, I mean, El Salvador dollarized, meaning basically their local currency uh, hyperinflated and disappeared. They grabbed onto the US dollar as, as a alternative. And then basically we're sort of nationless as far as their currency went and said, well, why, why not this one? Let's go, let's try something a little bit different than everyone, what everyone else is doing particularly when, you know, all the centralized controls in the U.S. and they can just devalue the currency at whim. And they basically have, have you know, debts that are just, they can't control their own fortunes in that regard. So um, I think it's, 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 they were one of 
195. Uh, you're seeing two different things going on. Like, you know, you're going to see countries adopt that is sort of a domino effect. I believe the last country to adopt this loses essentially. Um, but you see other countries like Bulgaria, which actually has a massive Bitcoin supply and treasury, even though it's not legal tender. So they're really taking care of the wealth of their nation in a way that's valuable. So, you know, I, I, I like I said, I, I think this has been moved forward 20 years. I think the next four years or even 24 months are going to be very interesting as far as where the chips fall from all of this. Wow. Um, and one other question that I was thinking about that I thought was kind of meaningful to uh, your particular company because of, you know, the what you're doing with the byproduct with the heat. I know there's been some cr criticism by like environmentalists, but when I hear what you're doing, aren't you taking some of these um, practices that are disrupting the earth, like uh, mining, like mining the earth, you know, dynamiting mountains and carbon Fracking. and fracking, things like that, you know, aren't you a safe and healthy alternative to that type of um, activity that, you know, let's be honest, like Blackstone, I heard the other day, they, they, they're an ESG company. Like how is Blackstone an ESG company when they own mining companies, they own shares in weapon manufacturing and pharmaceutical drugs that, you know, get people addicted uh, to them. Um, I, I, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent, but you know, how would you defend yourself from someone that's saying, Hey, what you're doing is uh, not good for the environment. When I, I mean, just to hear the little bit I know about your company, I, I would think quite the opposite. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's a fairly indefensible position, obviously, in my opinion, a little biased. Uh, sure. We're using the energy twice, obviously. Right. So First of all, we are we are mining Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin, I believe, per megawatt, we analyze with somewhere between 900 tons to 1,100 tons of carbon dioxide uh, per megawatt. So, first of all, we're greening the Bitcoin network by that much. So, the most expensive mining is typically thermal coal. Uh, we're outcompeting those guys in a competitive market. Great and incrementally greening the entire network. Uh, compared to natural gas, which is the most commonly used uh, type of district heating, uh, we are preventing 1,600 uh, tons per year per megawatt of, of uh, CO2 from entering the atmosphere. So there's a compounding effect there. You could, you could almost argue we're less than zero uh, in, in terms of our, our footprints here. Uh, because that energy is going to be used whether we mine or not. It's, they're going to be burning natural gas or they're going to be using some sort of other energy source to heat. And we are just supplanting that with something that already is serving utility that's already going to happen anyways, uh, which is basically greening two uh, separate industries simultaneously. Yeah, I think it's uh, fantastic. Um, and then, you know, guys, I'll let you, I know we're getting close to, uh, you know, we want to be mindful of your time, uh, Colin, but just like mint green, is there any, and uh, forgive me if this is a dumb question, but w would a company like yours go public on the exchange? I mean, it seems counterintuitive. I mean, if you're, operating in the world away from decentralized currency, mm -hmm. do you, is there an aspiration or do similar companies have aspirations to go public on the exchange and raise money and, you know, be beholden to shareholders or is that just not what you guys uh, are do by uh, the mandate of your existence? I'm um, sorry if that doesn't sound too articulate. <laughs> no, I understand what you're saying. So I can't, okay, I can't speak for all crypto companies or, or Bitcoin companies. I can say that many are, are going public is, is fairly common. Um, we have a great partnership with our lead investor from last round and also lead investor this round, which is CoinShares, a, a massive VC in the crypto space, something in the realm of four or five billion AUM, 
um, they would probably traditionally say, hey, you know, we want to go public in X amount of years. Uh, me as the CEO of this company, I do not believe in an exit culture. I believe in creating value. I believe in developing a product, making a business that, that, that is, can stand up on its own two feet, is not looking to get acquired specifically for any reason. So if we keep building the business, I think, uh, you know, the bankers will decide, you know, what, what price we do go public. If the world is in a different place by that time, maybe it makes sense. It's called mint green. Maybe it is just a mint. Maybe it is just basically providing, you know, dividends in perpetuity to all the shareholders. Once we reach a certain size, you know, we want to hit low double digits of the Bitcoin network. Um, and so maybe that's, maybe that's a future model. I mean, you got, you're talking about, I, I try, it's tough to model because I feel like we're in such a transitionary period. So if you're in an inflationary environment, everyone's on a treadmill, right? If you're not moving forward quickly, you're moving backward. But if, if everything's back with Bitcoin, it would almost be turned into sort of a savers environment. Uh, thing, the speed of commerce would be a bit slower. You know, this is like, you know, Bitcoiners are very nostalgic about classical eras because it was a slower time. You built a castle, you built for like a hundred years because that's just what you did. Now you're dealing with, you know, the type of capital returns you need in a very short time, you know, things are very temporary and disposable. So it might be a somewhat a return to that in, in that sense, then maybe, you know, not going public is the move. Any rate, it's not, doesn't really affect my strategy one way or the other. We're going to grow this company. We're going to keep building the technology. We're going to, you know, keep, uh, keep um, building up our IP and, and change the world. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I guess I was asking more of the question of why would you want to enter the traditional banking system when you guys, by virtue of your existence, just you don't care about Goldman be, Sachs or it could uh, be like a DeFi guys. contract or something. We have no sure. idea what the future could look like, right? And are those big banks moving quick enough? Is Goldman and Morgan Stanley? Do those guys have the capacity? Are, are they moving quick enough to uh, adapt to the environment? right now probably not right. uh and i think that's very typical i mean it's like oh what are the big banks going to do about this it's like well what did what did walmart do about amazon like they just die that's how it works like it, the, companies actually have a the bigger they are the less they're able to adapt it's just how it is they can't even get back to the office. They can't which even is decide. A, if, which is a wonderful thing, actually. Yeah. It, we need a hard reset on some of this shit. Right. You know? Yeah, we, we need a hard that, like Bitcoin is the great reset. Right. Roger. So just to that point, I just one quick question. If I yeah. what like Bitcoin versus Ethereum versus Dogecoin, for example. Like why what is this other what is it different or is it mined the same way? And you know. At some point, there's got to be a sales pitch. Why Bitcoin's the one to get versus those, and what would that be? I mean, uh, we could discuss this in, in a number of different ways. Like the issue with Dogecoin, although uh, guilty of making a bunch of money off it once Elon started talking about it, but it's largely a derelict project. It's proof of work, uh, similar to Bitcoin, and it's decentralized in the way that it has. It has no sort of company that's running it, which is actually a good thing. Problem is the code is very old. Uh, I was extremely nervous the entire network was going to crash when it started getting billions of dollars in transactions. It's based off of like a 2013 fork of Litecoin, I want to say. So that's uh, that's some old tech in there, but it, it's it stood up to its credit. Um, so Dogecoin is is a little different in the sense it has a a inflation rate of 5 billion Doge per year that never changes. So it's not truly finite. Um, and I think the people who are involved with it now, namely Elon, don't really understand what the importance of a strong base layer system is. So if you want to try, like Ethereum has the kind of opposite problem where it's like, the, it's extremely underlit. There's a lot of hands in the in sort of a lot of chiefs, and and uh, running this thing. They change how it runs constantly. They're changing the inflation rate down. They're getting removing POW. I mean, this is not the type of stability you want when you're considering a, a currency for your country. No one's going to let those technocrats 
uh, ETH is never going to be the currency in Brazil. You know, there's like five guys who are kind of like controlling that doesn't make sense. Um, Bitcoin, however, is like completely decentralized. It is by far the most secure. So in a base layer, so if you think of base layer of our current monetary system, all it is, bank print, central bank prints money. They say, yes, this is money. You can hand it to somebody. Just hand it. Everything else is layers built upon that system, right? So your credit cards, Interact, all that stuff, these are all services built on other layers. So Bitcoin under, like what Bitcoin is concerned about being absolutely secure. You can send it from one place to another without question it is going to get there. No one can stop it. No one can censor it. That's what's most important. I don't care how quick that is. So when you have other layers on top of that, like Lightning Network, where it sort of uh, aggregates transactions and reconciles them uh, together to save fees, so it's cheaper. I mean, you don't really care that your cup of coffee is on an immutable ledger um, in the same way you would your house or your car. So uh, the the what's what the major aha moment for me was basically that like the base layer needs to be robust as possible. It needs to be what's defending the currency from everything in a hostile environment. Uh, Bitcoin is the only one that can stand up and has been proven to stand up to all kinds of threats, internal, external, and otherwise. But once, once something is truly decentralized and not run by a company, there's no vector for attack. Now, if something happens to Vitalik, he gets compromised, he gets kidnapped. I mean, what happens to Ethereum? I have no idea. There's no one, nothing can be said about that Bitcoin. There's no, everyone, the way to run a node. So network is supported by nodes. You can run a Bitcoin node on a Raspberry Pi. Uh, you want to run an Ethereum node, you need probably a $12,000 computer. Uh, you want to run a Doge no node, you need, I don't know, 500 gigabytes of space because they do like their block times every minute. So you can imagine their blockchain grows 10 times as fast as Bitcoin. And so that becomes unmanageable over time. So it's built for, it's built for being literally invincible is essentially it. Well, I mean, that's an incredible answer. And, and, and I mean, just its value, you know, trading at $60,000 plus for one is pro is pretty intimidating to people. I mean, you have what 17 and you're a millionaire. So you have 17 coins and just wrapping your head around that. And I wonder like in El Salvador, is it just fractionals or, or is there, is there names for small parts of one Bitcoin? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, this, the smallest increment presently is called a Satoshi. So I think that's one, one, one hundred million. It's basically 100 million Satoshis in a, in a Bitcoin. Uh, and it's about 1500 Satoshis to a dollar right now. So, you know, if you're in the space long enough, you, you, you don't really think about the price Well, the price is fun, but you think about the dollar collapsing to one Satoshi over time. Yeah. Wow. One dollar, one Satoshi is kind of a meme. Um, but yeah, don't let the price intimidate you. That's called unit bias. It does not matter. It mm -hmm. does not matter. You can get as many small pieces of that as you want. They have high value. It's, it's like getting a whole bunch of Dogecoins um, might feel like you have something more, but. Like, no, yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff, man. Thank you so much. I know we're taking every time I, I could. Uh, fun, guys. This is great. And Colin, one and Roger, I know uh, you got something too, but Colin, just like how does the average person that you know can't even comprehend anything that you've talked about tonight? How does the how does the world move forward? If you're saying it's moving quick and maybe four or five years, things look tremendously different. You know, is there going to be a uh, whole bunch of people that don't know what to do? about uh day-to-day -day life or is it not as um harsh as uh i'm picturing it to be well the, the thing is like I, like how much do most people how much do you like know about the inner workings of our actual monetary system right like that was those covered in a macroeconomics class in my mba i had a million questions for them uh that is not covered at elementary level stuff so most people operate within a system they don't understand constantly. 
um, the more you understand, understanding Bitcoin is important for you getting in relative, this is still early. I mean, I always say, as long as they're still accepting dollars, it's not too late. Um, but you're like, I mean, you are, you're, I, I like, I would always start the Satoshi white paper. I, it's, it's not very long. It's, it's, it's a very simple explanation of what's going on there. Uh, it's written for a world that nothing like this ever existed before. Um, and so I highly recommend that. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's so wide and deep the way it connects money connects to everything in the world. And there's many analogies to be drawn throughout history with different types of money and different types of currency and sort of barter, et cetera. Um, so it, it's, it's too much to ask for everyone to understand exactly how this works, but it, but I think at a high level, I mean, you're basically talking about the ability, instead of handing the money to someone, now the whole world is your someone. You can send it to literally anyone, including another wallet of yours, anywhere. Uh, that's base layer type stuff. So, you know, it's once you have it, you'll kind of see how it's just so much easier, so much freer to use um, and why it's better. It is quite apparent. You got to kind of use it to, to understand that. Got it. Roger, you want to take us out here? Come. Thank you for your time. And uh, where can, you know, Roger's going to have something, but uh, where's the best place to follow your work? Is it on Twitter or what's the best platform yeah, you yeah. learn so, about Mink Green? Uh, my company, Mink Green, has uh, at minkgreen.hq. Uh, and I am on Twitter, Colin underscore Sully uh, right. on Twitter as well. Uh, we do have Instagram too. I think it's similar handles if you search us. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's probably like we're, we, we try to do all our press releases and stuff on Twitter. There's a huge uh, sort of following on that space. Yeah. So. Great. Thank you so much, man. Again, thank you, Colin, for stepping up on here and uh, joining us and enlightening all of us who are uh, still in the infancy stage of understanding cryptocurrency. I appreciate that, my brother. Hey, no. Hey, my pleasure, guys. This is a lot of fun. Thanks, Roger. Thanks, Pete. George, thanks for the invite. You know, maybe sure. we'll again sometime. 100%, man. And uh, I want to thank all the listeners out there for uh, chiming in and listening to this episode of $5 Buzz. If you have any questions, comments, ideas for new episodes and or guests, or, you know, don't forget to like us and hit subscribe on the YouTubes and the Apples and the Spotify's and uh, email us at $5 Buzz. That's F-I-V-E-D-O-L-L-A-R-B-U-Z-Z at gmail.com. And we will get back to you as soon as we're done getting all of our money together and making sure that we have those bills so that we can use them for undisclosed purposes. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Raj. See you guys. Thank you. See you, man. Thanks. Cool.